you're welcome to Mountain Springs Church Podcast, a podcast that brings you life-giving teachings and sermons from our church leadership. We hope that as you listen, you will be blessed and edified in your walk with Jesus Christ. And now, stay tuned as we bring you the teaching for today. Hello, this is Fidelis Odobo speaking. Today, I want to talk about salvation. It's a broad topic, and it's one thing that every Christian should know about. It is something that we experienced when we got born again or when we experienced the new birth. Now, salvation is really something that I feel that when we understand, it gives us a whole clearer perspective of what we have embraced in this new life. Now, let me begin by kind of giving a little intro about salvation. Now, salvation is not about joining a church. It's not, it's not about joining a denomination. It's not doing good things, like obeying the Ten Commandments and all that. It's not trying to be good. Now, it is not water baptism. And that's shocking to know, but that's exactly true. It is not about experience, you know, having the um, Holy Communion. It is not anointing oil. <laughs> now, salvation is way, way much bigger than, I, than all these things that I've mentioned. Now, you could be born into a Christian family and yet not saved. Now, salvation is not transferable. It is not something you inherit from your parents. The fact that your parents are Christian does not mean that you will automatically become a Christian. You have to make that choice. You have to make that decision to accept Jesus into your life. Now, salvation is actually the consequence of a personal decision to accept by faith the finished work of Christ, the life that Jesus offered to all humanity. You know, when the Bible says, we have confessed him with our mouth and with our heart we have believed unto salvation. So it is something that we have to make a decision to accept Jesus Christ into our lives and to believe in our heart that truly this is who he is. Now, salvation simply means deliverance or freedom from the power of sin. Now that word comes too handy in this explanation. Freedom from the power of sin. Now Romans chapter 6 verse 14, it says, let me read here. It says, for sin shall not have dominion over us. For we are not under the law, but under grace. Now what salvation does for us is that it, you know, delivers us or it, it, it redeems us, break the power of sin over our lives. Now also salvation also delivers us from the guilt and the consequences of sin. Now this has been made possible only by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now why is salvation important to us? Why you know, do we talk about salvation? Why is, why, why is salvation important to humanity? The truth is that from the very beginning, let me take us back to the, to the beginning. 
Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Now, Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden and this sin affected the whole of mankind. You know, sometimes we talk about sin as something that we do. And that's a whole different concept from what I'm talking about. There is a sin that all humanity experienced. And it's not because we did anything. It is because of what Adam did in the Garden of Eden. Now, you remember the story when God said, do not eat of the tree in the middle of the garden. For the day you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. Now, the truth is, on that day, Adam and Eve died. Now, someone actually explained this this way. The very day they ate of the fruits, they were still living. Nothing happened to them. In fact, Adam lived for another 800 plus years before he died. Now, what does that mean? Now, death in this, in this case is not just talking about the biological cessation of life. It's talking about a death that is spiritual. And the day Adam and Eve sinned, they died spiritually. Now, if you notice when God came to the garden, you know, Adam said, I heard your voice and I hid myself. Now there was an enmity that was placed between them. Adam suddenly realized that he, you know, was naked. There was a realization that came upon them that this is something strange. God is strange. When they heard the voice of God in the garden, they ran away and hid themselves because they could no longer understand God. There was a severing that happened. Man or humanity was cut off from the very life of God by virtue of Adam's transgression. There was an enmity that came as a result of this fall. Now, from then on, the Bible says that death reigned on all humanity. Death reigned on all men. Everyone experienced it. Everyone who was born into this world was born into sin. You remember the, the, the prayer of David or David's um, Psalms? He says, in sin did my mother conceive me. I was shaping in iniquity. Now, every human being has experienced this as a result of what Adam and Eve did on the garden, as a result of their disobedience. Humanity slumbed into a life of death. It's a life, actually, that is a life called death. Now, that's exactly what happened. Man was lost in sin. And you see, this whole thing actually brought God into a salvation mode how to bring humanity back to the place that he has fallen from. That's everything about salvation. God's plan of redeeming mankind. God's plan of bringing every, every human being back to the place that we were once, you know, placed before the fall. Now, everyone was helpless. We had no power over sin. Sin reigned over us. Death reigned over us. In fact, the Bible says we were slaves of sin. We became slaves of sin. Sin became our master. You know? Now, why am I saying all this? I'm trying to lay this foundation to give us an idea of what God did to bring us back to the place of glory. 
And that's what we call salvation today. You know, when this happened, what, what did that actually bring us into? It just makes us realize that we need a savior. We need someone who can deliver us, who can free us from this life of death, from this bondage that we found ourselves. Now, what I read in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 14, it says that sin shall not have dominion over us anymore. Sin will not reign over us anymore. You know, how can that happen? Or how will that happen? That happened by reason of what Jesus did on the cross. And that's what salvation actually, you know, talks about. Now, let me read just from an outline here. It says, humanity was helpless, lost, condemned, and unable to do anything about it. And Jesus came to do that for us. He came so that we can be free. He came to satisfy the claim of justice which, which we deserve. You know, the Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then it says in Romans 3 verse 23 that the wages of sin is death. You know, the wages there means the, the, the payment for sin, the judgment for sin is death. So every one of mankind have to experience death. Now, in, in talking about this, there's a whole kind of, I mean, there's a whole law that we really need to put in place here. It's called the law of the kinsman redeemer. Now, every humanity experiences death. Everyone is in a world of death. But who will deliver us from this world of death? It has to be a man himself, a human being, who can come and pay the price of death that humanity experienced. Now, if you look at the whole world, there was none, none righteous, not even one. Now, that was what happened when Jesus came into the world. When he came into the world, he came as a human being. Now, the idea or the reason behind that is that a human has to die as payment for the you know, for the sin of the whole world. It is God's law. It says the wages, of, the wages of sin is death. Ezekiel says the soul that sins shall die. So there is a consequence to sin. And it is that consequence that Jesus came to pay for us. So his mission was simply to die our death. To die the death that every human, every human being or to or to die or should have died. Now Christ, in identifying himself, paid the wages of sin. He paid that price, which was which was death. He shed his blood and his body was broken. Isaiah 53, verse 4 talked about it. Now, the blood of Jesus was actually the sacrifice for the sin of man. It is that sacrifice that is acceptable to God. Now I'm holding myself here because there's a whole history behind this. Back in the days, during the temple period, you know, in Jewish history, there is a, a place of the priests and the high priests, and then you have the rest of the, of the nation. And what happens is that there's a law that is put in place, the law of the sin offering, the, 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 you know, the feast of unliving bread, so many feasts that, are, you know, that's, 
is placed out there for them to practice. But one of them is the death of a lamb. Now, the way it happens is that the high priest lays his hand on the lamb and then sends the lamb out into the desert to be eaten by wild animals. That to indicate that their sin has been taken away from them. Also, in the temple, there is this slaughtering of lambs as well and goats. You know, when Hebrew talked about it, he says, this is not the, you know, it is not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood. So they were offering these sacrifices to pay their, you know, for their sins. And this can only last for at least one year. But when Jesus came, he became that sacrificial lamb for us. He became a sin offering. You know, when he died on the cross, it was his blood that was shed for the whole of humanity. And when his blood was shed for all humanity, that was the, you know, fulfillment or the satisfying of the law. That the law has been fulfilled in that sense. Because the law says that everyone who sins must die. So he died that death to pay for the entire humanity. Now, let's continue from here. When Jesus rose again from the death, what, what does that actually signify? Now, it says, I mean, what I wrote here, it says his resurrection, in his resurrection, Jesus conquered death and totally destroyed the works of the devil. Right now, the devil's influence no longer includes the life of anyone who is in Christ. Now, that's so powerful because when we talk about this, we talk about the death of Jesus, we also talk about his resurrection. That when he resurrected, you know, it, it brought us into a whole new way of life. You know, it, he, he, he introduced a new way of life for us, a life that is not under the influence of this world, a life that is totally from God. It was that life that he came to mirror for us, to, to, to you know, exemplify for all those who, by reason of their faith, in, the, in his finished work, we come into that experience. Now, when we talk about salvation, we can always refer to the place of grace and faith. You know, I've heard a lot of teachings about this in the past, that we are saved by grace. And I really believe that we're truly saved by grace. But if you look at the scripture, you would see that it is not by grace alone. We are saved by grace, but it is through faith that our salvation eventually happens in our lives. Now, let me read here from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we are saved by grace, but grace alone cannot save us. You now, in Titus chapter 2, verse 12, I think, he says, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present evil world, looking for the glorious appearing of the great God and Jesus Christ. Now, the point is this. Grace has appeared to all humanity. Now, if it is by grace alone, all human beings would have experienced salvation as it is today would have been born into the family of God. But the truth is that not everyone has yet been born into the family of God. There are many who 
though salvation has been released to all mankind, but they have not accepted salvation in, in order for them to experience, you know, the life that God came to, to give to us. So grace alone doesn't necessarily save us, but grace through faith is really what causes us to, uh, cause us to experience salvation. Now, let me put it this way. Grace makes available all that God has in store for us. Everything we need, salvation, deliverance, healing, you name it. Grace makes them all available. We don't have to, we don't have to merit them. It is, not by, it is not a reward to our good works. Grace makes everything that God has provided in Christ Jesus through his death available to us. But then we have to move one step and appropriate all this into our lives. We have to move one step and, and make this happen in our lives. That's where faith comes in. So it is our faith in God that eventually makes this experience a reality in our lives. The grace is there already and has released this thing to, I mean, released God's life and salvation to all humanity, but we have to come to a place of applying our faith on the finished work of Christ and believe that this truly is a reality, then it's, it becomes a reality in our lives. Now, John chapter 1, I think verse 12, he says, how do we put it again? He says that for as many as believed in him, to them he gave the, the right, the authority to become children of God. For as many as believed on him. Look at the word, believed. You know, for as many as believed, not just everyone who lives in this world, who, I mean, grace has made every, the provision for all mankind, but it has to be as many that has believed in Jesus. Those who have, you know, appropriate to apply their faith from the finished work of Christ, they are the one that will experience this salvation that we are talking about. So salvation comes by grace, but through faith. Now, let me talk about the three phases of salvation. Now, we don't hear this all, all the time, but it does make sense if you hear me out and see how I, I'm explaining all this. The three phases of salvation really brings man or human being into the picture. That we as human beings, we are tripartite being. That means that we are a, um, a, we are a being with three, three parts or three sides of us, three realities in us. Now, because we were made in the image of God, we have that same nature too. Now, God is God the Father, is the Son, and He's the Holy Spirit. As, as a Father, we have not seen Him. Jesus says that if you have seen me, you have seen my Father. In other words, He was the one that, you know, was to represent the Father I mean, or to show the Father in a bodily form to the whole world. You know, and then He is the Son. He embodies the Godhead. And then we have the Holy Spirit as well. Now, it's, it's the same with human being. When God created human, uh, human being, he says, let us make man in our own image. And that thing is a tripartite existence of human being. You know, we have three, three sides to us. Now, the first thing is this. We are a spirit. When God says, let us make man in our own image, you know, do you know man, man or human being begin to exist, but not in the physical realm? 
a human being starts to exist the very moment God mentioned, let us make man or mankind in our, in our own image. And then what we saw in the Garden of Eden was God breathing life so that man can be, um, become a living soul, a living being, a, a, a being with an intellect, with emotions, with will. That's the soul. And then the Bible says God took the dust from the earth and formed you know, the body of man. That's the body of man. So you could see how it, how it comes in the spirits, the soul, and the body. This all makes up human beings or what human being is all about. It's this, it, we're made of this composition. That was exactly what God did in the Garden of Eden. Now, when we talk about salvation, salvation also cuts across these three sides of mankind. And the first thing God did was to save us in our spirits. Now, when you look at the um, Corinthians, Paul talking about us, he says, if any man be in Christ, or if any human being, any man can be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now, let me put it this way. The day you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it says that you become a new creation. But let me ask this question. On that day, did anything change in your body? Did you experience a change in your height or in your, in your, in your body mass or in your weight? Did your skin complexion change? No, nothing changed. At least for me, the day I accepted Jesus Christ, I remained the same person. I remained, you know, my height was the same. My body size or weight was the same. My skin complexion was the same. Nothing changed. But yet the Bible says we become a new creation. What changed? That was referring to the spirit, uh, spirit man. It's referring to the spirit aspect of every human being. But when, when we got born again, when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it was our spirits that experienced that salvation. We were saved in our spirits. Our spirit became a new creation. You know, when Bible says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ, we're speaking of us as when we are the righteousness of God in Christ in our spirit man. That is what changed. You know, we became like God in our spirits. The very nature of God, the very essence of God was resident in our spirit men. We become God-like, so to speak, in our spirits being. Now, if you notice, I didn't mention soul. But that's the first part of salvation. But there's a second part also of salvation, or the second phase of salvation, which talks about the salvation of the soul. You know, our soul, our soul is actually where our intellect lies, or you could say your emotion, your imagination, your will, it's all resident in your soul. Your personality resides in your soulless realm. Now, everyone has personality, different personality. Everyone has a different way of thinking, a different philosophy. Everyone has, you know, a different way of viewing life. And also, we, we, we feel differently in many ways. Now, that's our soul. Now, our soul also needs, you know, salvation. And how does that happen? Paul talked about this in Romans 12, verse 1. He says, 
Therefore, beloved, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. Be not conformed, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. I was talking about the salvation of the soul here. But it, it happens by us going through a transformation process. And this process is not, you know, what it's not something that happens overnight. Salvation happens the day we accept Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that is in our spirit, man. But the transformation of our soul, you know, the, the period of us having to, to groom ourselves, to train ourselves, to think like Christ, to have the mind of Christ, it's a whole lifetime. It does not start and end you know, at some point in time here in this life. It's an entire lifetime of transformation. Now, the word used there in the Greek, be not conformed, but be transformed. The word used there, transformed in the Greek, is the word metamorpho. And that's where we got the English word from, metamorphosis in biology. Now, metamorphosis is actually a, a compound word, meta and, you know, morphosis. Now, it speaks of a gradual change. And the best way I can describe it is when you did uh, biology in school, I'm sure you, you, know, you probably heard of that word, metamorphosis. The gradual change of, you know, a life of an egg to a place where the egg is hashed out and the, the insect or whatever it is came out. Now, I think for me, that's really what it is for us. From the stage of lava, pupa, nymphs, or nymph, and then adult. It does not happen overnight. It takes a long time for that to happen. Now, that's what transformation actually means. And when the Bible talks about us being transformed by the renewing of our mind, it's saying that we are undergoing a process of change. The way we think, the way we speak, the way we view life, the way we even make our decisions. As we begin to give ourselves to God's word, as we begin to give ourselves to the discipline of God's word and doing life with other, other believers, you know, spending time with God, a change is happening in us. And this change is happening not in our spirit, but in our soul. Our, our way of thinking begins to begin to change. We start experiencing us responding to life in a whole different way. If we have anger problem, we see that we begin to deal, you know, with the way we respond, you know, to life. The Bible says the wrath of man or the anger of man does not work out the righteousness of God. When we start imbibing those words, and start taking those words into our hearts, it begins to change us gradually. We start experiencing this transformation in our lives. And that's the salvation of the soul the Bible talks about. And that happens, you know, throughout our entire Christian life here on earth. And then we'll talk about the salvation of the body. Now, that's strange. The salvation of the body. One day, this body of ours will be saved. Right now, our body is not saved. If I point a gun at someone right now and I shoot at the person, it's going to do damage to the body. In fact, he may not survive. Our bodies still go through times of weakness. We experience disease. We experience sicknesses. We experience all kinds of bodily ailments, headaches, pains, 
we fall and then we have our skin breathed. You know, a lot of things, rashes in our bodies. Now, this is to let us know that our body has not, ha have not yet experienced salvation. We are still encased in this body of death. Even though we're saved, but our body has not come to that point. But there's a time in future when that is going to happen. And in that time, the Bible says that in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. And that there's going to be a, a, not a transformation, but a sudden change. We will put on immortality. Our mortal body will become immortal. You know, we'll become, we'll put on a body that is very um, normal or accustomed to the heavenly hosts or the angels. That same body Jesus put on when he came back to life. He walked through walls with doors closed. He could eat, he could drink, but he had, he had a body that, you know, can defy gravity. On his ascension, of course, gravity was still there, but he ascended up into heaven. That's the body that God has promised us, and we will put on this body at some point in the future, maybe when we die or when Christ comes and we're raptured. Now, these are the three phases of salvation. The salvation of our spirits is the main deal. That's when we're saved. That's when Jesus came into our heart and he became our Lord. We now have the life of God. Then we talk about the salvation of his soul, the renewing of our mind that lasts for an entire lifetime. Then we talk about the salvation of the body, which consummates or consummates this salvation of God towards humanity. Let me stop here for today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. We hope you were blessed and are refreshed as you listened. If you're considering supporting Mountain Springs Church in any way by giving, prayers, or being a part of our launch team, please contact us at info at mountainspringschurch.ca or follow us on Instagram or Facebook at mountainspringschurchca. Thank you for listening today and God bless you.